Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another week of the Ninth State Sports Show Football Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina, and joining me once again, former football coach in the Granite State, Mike Lockman. Mike, how are you doing? Doing great as always, Joe. Thanks. Uh, you can send us uh, questions and feedback by shooting an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com or on Twitter at nhhsports. Uh, and this year, you can listen to the show every Tuesday morning at nh-highschoolsports.com. Uh, and I believe that's going to be our uh, our schedule, you know, throughout. It looks like we're we're uh, smooth sailing through uh, what will hopefully be a nice, long, fun uh, playoff season that uh, yeah. that we actually learned a little bit more about um, this past weekend, or the, or at least since the last time we talked. Um, I noticed that as soon as we were done griping about how we still don't know what what the playoff <laughs> situation is going to be with canceled games and stuff, they they put something out like. It was probably within hours of when the pod. So it must have been us, Joe. They must have been like, yeah, you know what, this Marcelina and Lockman guy. These guys are. <laughs> these guys have had enough with us. We better yeah, do something. That's, I'm, I'm, <laughs> that's definitely what it is. Definitely what it is. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I I saw the initial initial tweets from uh, from Roger Brown and um, uh, I'm blanking on his name. Where's his name? Chris. That's at the Keen Sentinel. Uh, I'll tell you, Chris uh, Detweiler. Um, you know. One of them mentioned the football council, and I, I you know, I picture in my head, you know, uh, Bill Ball and, and Brian O'Reilly sitting around in robes, like smoking pipes, like uh, in a, in a candlelit room, <laughs> yeah. like you know that the, the football council, you know, like it's probably not too, it's probably not too far off. No, well, I don't think I don't think Coach O'Reilly's on the the, the committee anymore, but uh, I believe he was at one point, uh, and I know both. Yeah. I think both of them are on the lacrosse committee, so maybe they do still do uh, do that. I don't know. But either way, yeah. um, it, it seems that they've come to a decision uh, that all of the games that have been um, canceled, not played, postponed, however you want to put it, because of COVID-19 this year are going to be considered no contests. So they'll just be wiped clean of the schedule. And you look at some schedules already, and uh, they're already gone, like they never existed. Um, what... I, I've gotten kind of mixed signals about because each of those guys uh, had something different in their stories that about, but I and I did hear from a source of my own uh, that confirmed what Roger had had mentioned was that they still haven't decided how they're going to determine the playoffs. Uh, in divisions two, three, and four, they use the football rating straight up um, as the um, the way to determine which teams, like where teams will be seated. Division one, it's a little bit different because of the way this it's structured. They've gone by, uh, they go by win loss uh, record. Which, if everyone hasn't played the same game number of games, how do you determine that? But from what I heard, they're leaning towards using football rating uh, to figure that out. Which is, I think, if they're not going to count those games, then that's probably the best way to go. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I think football rating for Division one is is not perfect because of the way that they're structured and, and that's probably why they don't use it to begin with. But when you find yourself in a situation like this, where you're, you're kind of trying to figure out like, okay, so how do we make the determination? I, I, I'm not sure that I could come up with a better solution or a better answer right. myself. I mean, I, it's not like I've spent hours thinking about it either, you know, for sure. But, um, you know, if you, if you want to apply that same formula and just say, Hey, look, it's, it's going to be imperfect. There, there might be some things that, don't shake out for certain teams, you know, et cetera. But 
you know, given the kind of year that we've had and the, the unpredictable things that have happened, this is the best that we could do. Because otherwise, it's just at least that's mathematical. Yeah, right. Right. Otherwise, it, it becomes an argument, you know, if you're if you're trying to apply other criteria to it. I mean, there'll be arguments around that approach, too. But <laughs> at least that's using mathematics, right, as opposed to, you know, other things that you could, I think, would, would kind of open them up to even more criticism. Yeah, and I, I think to, to the, the win-loss, uh, the reason win-loss is used, I think, in Division One is because you've got, um, you know, 20 teams. It's broken down into two groups of 10, um, two different conferences in each group, so five and five. Um, and I think they go by win-loss because of the because you I mean you're you're playing a nine game season there's 10 other 10 teams so you're playing every single team that's in your little cluster uh once right. so everybody plays everybody in a normal year and that way like you know it, it like if it's lining up right now or or if if uh you know Goffstown had played Central and Memorial instead of having those games canceled them and Bedford would both be 5 and 2 right now uh but right. because Bedford has a win over Exeter that bumps up their football rating, um, and even though Goffstown beat them, Bedford's football rating is better. So the five they go by, I think, the head-to-head there instead. If that makes any sense, I hope I, hope I just didn't confuse everybody. Um, but by looking at the win-loss record, then at five and two, both teams are tied. The tiebreaker would be head-to-head as opposed to football rating where they're not tied. If that that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I, I mean. I, I would even take it one step further, um, you know, and, and try something out for this year just because it, it's it's already a mess. Uh, why not make it more of one? Um, you know, just take the football rating and seed the teams one through eight instead of, you know, four on one side, four on the other. I, I would like yeah. to see them do that because right now, you know, you go by the ratings and you're looking at it and – Okay, yeah, Winnicott's number one on one side. Londonderry is then next on the other side. And then Pinkerton's the third best team, you know, based on the rating. And the way it stands right now, they would go to Bishop Girton um, in the opening round and play against the team that they just beat last weekend on their home field. So that just, I don't know. It, right. it, and I, and this, has been, this isn't a new problem. This has been the way the format's been, you know, since they started doing it. Um, yeah, no, it's true, and and it's it's created less than ideal matchups, just like you just described. Right, right. Yeah, so I don't know. I would just I would maybe try that this year too, just to. But that's that's me. That's my thinking. Yeah, no, I, I don't I don't see any problem with that. Uh, I'm sure there are. You know, I'm sure somebody would think of one, but I, I don't necessarily <laughs> see a problem with that. Uh, um. Yeah, someone would probably find a, a a problem with it. I don't know. I there's you can probably one right, it. yeah, there's <laughs> there's probably one right in front of my face that I don't even see too. Um, but speaking of um, that Pinkerton BG game, um, did go to that on Saturday night. It was a twenty-two to twelve win for Pinkerton, and uh, you know when I sent out uh, our our pre-show email, I made a little joke to you, Mike, that uh, I called it a bit of a snooze fest. Um, which you know I say that. You know, in jest a little bit, um, just because there was no no atmosphere at that game. You know, I, I expected, you know, it's two, two teams that are having great seasons. You know, I thought it was going to be a close game, and it, and it was. Um, and, and it just it felt like there was no 
atmosphere to that game. I was just stunned by that. Yeah, you were saying that before we we got on today, as you were saying, and I, I'll, I, I'll respond to you now the same way I responded to you then, which is that makes no sense. I mean, this was <laughs> kind of a you know th- there was a good slate of games for this weekend, but right. that was a pretty marquee Division One game. You know, I mean, it really could have been anybody's game. I remember looking at that for the the pigskin profits pick on the site. And that was one of the ones I really struggled with. I mean, you know, none of them are easy to be honest with you, right? Yeah. That's why you pick them. Yeah. Um, you don't pick any quote unquote gimmies, but that one was pretty tough. I mean, the way that BG has been running the ball and, and they've had some really quality wins under their belt, you know, Pinkerton is obviously very good, but um, I don't know that they've seen an opponent quite like BG yet, you know, leading up to that point. So, uh, it, yeah, it was, it, I expected that to be a, uh, you know, like a, like a, a, a great atmosphere, right? A, but Pinkerton would probably travel well and, um, and they did, they, had, it was at yeah. BG, it was right? At Stellos, yes. And, and yeah, Pinkerton so did, I figured, yeah. I figured that would be, I mean, maybe it was a, was it just a Saturday night kind of, I, I, I don't Maybe know. Maybe just it was people just... didn't want to come out because that—I don't know. I—that's I, a bummer. I mean, if I had gone to that and it had been a snooze fest of an atmosphere, <laughs> I would have been bummed. Yeah, um, and I don't know. Maybe the way the game started with with Pinkerton returning the opening touchdown for for or excuse me, opening kickoff for a touchdown. Maybe that had something to do with it. But I mean, it, it wasn't that on the field. I mean, BG responded to that with a with a long drive that they just couldn't score on. Um, you know, and that was the, that was the bizarre thing about the game too. Was I had, um, I had BG with with the ball for over thirty minutes the entire game, eighteen of that in the second half. Uh, they went on two seven minute drives in the second half of that game, uh, and and ran thirty eight plays to uh, to Pinkerton's eleven. Um, yeah, they just they they couldn't find um, on one of those long drives. They got into the end zone. The second one, though, they um, they kind of shot themselves in the foot with a couple penalties and ended up uh, turning it over on downs. But um, yeah, it was just it was it was a bizarre game. And I don't know, maybe maybe something that adds to it too is, you know, if you you look at again the the way the the format is for the playoffs, um, it really looks like they're gonna you know unless unless Londonderry slips up somewhere along you know in the, their last two games and. And Pinkerton's able to to leap ahead of them in the standings. Um, you know, we're looking at Pinkerton BG in the semi or in the quarterfinals to to open the playoffs in in two weeks. So, you know, that might have had something to do with it too. Is it? It's this is a, a huge game on paper, record wise, between good two good teams, and it really might not mean anything. You know, yeah, and that's a, and that's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, that is a bummer. It's, it's another one of those weird quirks, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was interesting to to hear about the time of possession, and then I saw I, I saw in your article that you posted on the site that it, it, you know the yardage kind of matched the time of possession. Yeah, I mean, yeah. not quite, not you know, it was almost a double up in time of possession. The yardage wasn't quite a double up, but BG held a significant yardage advantage at three oh six over you know Pinkerton's two thirty one. Yeah. Um, you know, statistically. Uh, BG had a good night. I mean, it was it was kind of like if you had just read the stats, you'd think, oh, maybe, you know, maybe BG won the game, right? I think Pinkerton's top runner had um, 82 yards, and you know, um, yep, Cole, Cole had 148 yards rushing. Yeah, 
you know, it, it just sounded like it was a great game. Uh, but um, oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna and it, and and both teams are, are are were banged up a little bit too. BG, um, no Charlie Bellavance for them. Uh, Pinkerton has been without um, Jake Albert for a couple weeks now. Um, I'm gonna hopefully not mispronounce his name here, but Jake McInerney um, also uh, has been out for them. And uh, Coach O'Reilly was saying too that he expects. Uh, they had a couple other kids get dinged up Saturday night, and they they have a quick turnaround. They play Thursday this week against Nashua North. Uh, yeah, he expects a couple of those kids that got uh, dinged up to not be ready to go in time for that game. Um, you know, so they're uh, they're kind of um, you know shuffling through at this point with with some injuries uh, as is BG. Yeah, and that's you know that's what happens uh, this time of year, right? And it's 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 why you know in, in years past when there's been crossover games and things where the lower divisions have played played higher divisions and uh, you know th- there was a there was a stretch you remember where a lot of the lower division teams were beating those upper division teams in that crossover game and you know I think there was a lot of stir uh, when that was happening kind of regularly you know uh, guys like us in the media right would, would do, oh you know well how, how come you don't move up to division one or division right, two or whatever right. it yeah. might be right yeah and and all the coaches would say the same thing right they'd be like hey look i might be able to div- we might be able to beat a division one team tonight right but we couldn't beat a division one team every week because it's because of depth yeah. right and because yeah. as that week as the weeks wear on especially when you get to this point of the season uh, you start losing guys to these little nagging injuries or, or, or things that happen or, or even major injuries, um, unfortunately. And it really tests a team's depth. Now, you would hope a team like Pinkerton with, you know, 3,300 kids in the school, you know, hopefully they have some good depth and, and right. they can put good quality players on the field and keep going. But then you look at BG, for example. I mean, I don't know how many kids are in the, in BG school, but it's certainly not 3,300. I don't even think it's um, a thousand. It's probably like eight or nine. Hundred. Yeah, it's pretty tight, right? I mean, you know, those those kind of teams, they they are more likely to struggle with depth a little bit. But again, you know, it, it just depends on who you've got on your roster and the experience that those guys have and who's ready to step up. But this is the time of year that stuff starts really making a difference. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think one of the big factors in that game, um, you know, we talked about this, the, the kickoff return. Um, special teams were huge, um, you know, on both sides. Uh, like I said, Pinkerton with the kickoff return. They, um, I don't know if they, they, it was intentional, but it looked like they botched the the hold on the the point after, but ended up scoring any getting in for two anyways, which which actually made it, it ended up coming, you know, turning out to be a, a a big factor because later on BG missed an extra point. Um, you know, and that, and then when they scored the second time, they had to go for two and didn't get it. So now it was a it was a yeah. two score game there coming down the stretch instead of a one score game, uh, which made a big difference. VG uh, also blocked. I I used <laughs> we say it was a blocked field goal, but really what happened was that VG uh, pushed a Pinkerton lineman back into the kick, and it went off the back of the lineman uh, for oh. a, a blocked field goal. Um, yeah. And then That's they, a huge yeah, play too. Yeah. If you're if you're a lineman on the return team, and and you know that that's a huge play. And if you're a, if you're the lineman getting driven back and punted in the back of the head, 
that's an embarrassing play. Yeah, that's that's the kind <laughs> of play know? you just like you maybe run to the sideline and and hope you can hide hide somewhere. Yeah, you you hope that the special teams coach and the offensive line coach don't know who you are yeah, and can't find yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, so special teams were a big, and it, it, I feel like that's the case every week. That there's something that's going on with with special teams that are are having big effects uh, on games. But uh, yeah, it's it's amazing because you know one of the lessons that I learned, thankfully, very early in my coaching career was that lesson that you just said right there, which is you've really got to be able to focus on special teams. You know when there's nothing more disheartening than when you go back and analyze what happened in a loss, realizing that your special teams let you down. Now, sometimes it's big plays like that, you know, whether it's like a blocked kick or a missed extra point or a field goal or something. And that's very obvious. Or other times it's just that field position battle and, yeah. and losing that field position battle, right? Cause the other team is getting, you know, they're averaging 18 or 19 yards on a kick return and you're averaging seven or eight yards on a kick return and they're getting the ball deeper than you're getting it or whatever. Right. I mean, once you start looking at that stuff, you realize, like, yeah, man, that was the game, right? Like, we could move the ball. They could move the ball. But, you know, when they're going on, you know, 65-yard drives and we're going on 80-yard drives, it, that's, that's yeah. a lot harder, yeah, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so the amount of time – and it's not – I think most coaches, good coaches – know that you know they spend a lot of time on special teams they try not to just pay it lip service and things like that I, I really do think that most coaches good coaches in New Hampshire with that that are in front of consistent programs do that the question is not that it's can you get the kids bought into that yeah right if the if the kids decide that special teams is a chance to you know go to sleep or save a little bit of energy or whatever that's when you have these problems and it can change a game just like you said. Well, I'm 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 glad that you said that, because the other game that I went to on Saturday, uh, there was a special team, big special teams play on the opening kickoff, uh, just like this one, and it did yep. it did feel like it changed the game. Uh, of course, talking about uh, Winnicott Goffstown from Saturday, uh, a rematch of last year's uh, semifinal that the Grizzlies won. Um, I, I, from what I gather, uh, the Warriors mentioned that once or twice, maybe during practice this past week. Um, that that you know that was the team that ended their season a year ago, so oh, a yeah. little bit of motivation there, and yep. um, and I, I you know it was interesting. I thought that um, you know Winnicott head coach Ryan Francoeur said um, that all week he had kind of gone back and forth on on what to do if they won the coin toss. Like you know, do you give their defense has been really good at Winnicott this year, uh, but but Goffstown you know is a such a dynamic offense. Do you? Do you choose to give them the ball first? Um, and it turned out it didn't even end up being his decision because Goffstown won the coin toss. But then Goffstown fumbled away the opening kickoff, and, and Winnicott recovered uh, with a short field. Um, ended up scoring a couple plays later, took a, a 7 nothing lead. And it really, like, for that first quarter, it just felt like everything was snowballing on, on Goffstown. Um, yeah. You know, they get the ball back for their next drive. First play, the snap goes right by the quarterback, uh, Josh Webb's head, uh, for a 14-yard loss. They end up having to punt. Um, Winnicott doesn't score on that drive, but they, they punt back. Or I should I believe they turned over on downs deep in Goffstown's end. So now Goffstown's got another long field to go. Um, 
you know, they end up punting again, and then when it kind of does come down and score that time, it ended up being 20 to nothing, um, you know, in the second quarter. Uh, and again, another, you know, just long, grinding touchdown drive. Um, you know, Winnicott kind of took over with 17 seconds left in the first quarter, went on a 14-play, 91-yard drive, um, and scored sure. with 410 left in the half to go up to take that 20 to nothing lead. So, I mean, that was just, I, I'm, and they, they did that a couple of times. They did it in the third, with the opening drive of the third quarter, too, and just, it just chewed up so much of the, the third quarter and a little bit of the fourth. Um, wasn't quite as long. But, you know, after both those long drives, Goffstown was able to get down the field quick and score. Um, they just, you know, they had a shot early in the fourth quarter to, to really keep it a close game and, and just couldn't come up with a, or ended up throwing an interception in the end zone, which kind of, you know, there was still a lot of time left, but, the, you know, they're down two scores already and really couldn't stop uh, Winnicott's running game. Yeah, it's an, it's another quality win for Winnicott, obviously. Uh, you know, I, I've seen Gosstown on film a couple times, and they definitely have players, right? They're a good team. Um, I think the last time I saw them was when they played Concord, and, Concord had right. given them a pretty good game, but it, it was clear that Goffstown was the superior team, right? I mean, they've got Strickland, they've got uh, young quarterback Josh Webb, who actually had a pretty good game, I think, right? He threw for over 200 yards and three touchdowns, I think, right? Yeah, he had a numbers um, numbers wise, he had a nice game. Uh, two, 20 of 29, 226 yards, three touchdowns, uh, and an interception. Yeah, I mean, they've got guys, but then you look at just the the – uh, just the stable of backs that Winnicott uses. And, you know, you were talking about those drives, those ball control drives that they were going to go on. I mean, that's, that's what you dream of when you're, uh, when you run an offense like that or like Exeter or like some of these other kind of ball controlling offenses, you know, they get, I, I think in modern times, they get kind of a, uh, an eye roll or a bad rap from people who don't really get football too well. <laughs> but I mean, those kind of offenses are as, critical to your team's overall strategy as your defense can be, especially if you're going against a quick strike type of team like a Bedford or a Goffstown or, you know, whatever, right? Because if you can keep all those running backs fresh, go on those long 14, 15 play drives, chew clock, especially after a backbreaking uh, special teams play, like we were just saying, right? I mean, you take the crowd out of the game uh, at BG with that, with that kickoff return you kind of get into Gosstown's heads early with uh, the fumble recovery. Uh, I mean, that's a that's a huge deal, and to be able to keep those quick strike players off the field for Gosstown, um, you know, again, what you know, twenty to nothing in the second quarter is is not what anybody would have predicted. No, yeah, late in the quarter too. Um, yeah, yeah, they've got um, you know, I I don't I. Uh, Coach Frank Hoare mentioned that they had six guys that they felt were, you know, fully capable. I don't know if that included uh, quarterback Kyle Tilley, but he did have a, a rushing touchdown. Um, Tucker McCann carried most of the load for them, 114 yards. I had him for with on 27 carries and a touchdown. Uh, Owen Bateman had a, a big game as well with two rushing touchdowns and that interception um, in the end zone that um, that we were talking about that kind of, or excuse me, that did end a, a Goffstown drive and, and really, you know, kind of put the game away. 
you know, the Winter Cunner folks call that the uh, problem, maybe the play of the season for them, um, which, you know, I, I think that says a lot. They're, you know, they've had a pretty good season. So um, for that to be the biggest one might, you know, maybe a little overstatement, but but certainly a big one in that game. Um, yeah, so they, they yeah. I, that's the first I've seen them in person this year. And, um, you know, I came away, um, you know, really impressed certainly think that they are you know maybe them and well of course them and londonderry both at seven and oh kind of your i i would say co-favorites um you know to to be meeting in that final uh in uh, actually a, a month from wednesday believe it or not <laughs> yeah which would be interesting i don't know that those have those two teams ever met in the playoffs before i uh, I shouldn't put you on the spot like yeah. that. I don't. I don't remember when Akuna and Londonderry playing against each other. They might have. Um, no, I don't. You know what? I don't think that they did. They have. Um, yeah, at least not in in you know since the the format change. Yeah. Let. Um, we'll see if we can figure that out. Well, while you're while you're looking, I'll, I'll just say, you know, it, it, I don't think it's too early to start comparing this Winnipeg team to what was it, the 2018 championship team? Uh, 20, 2017, I think. Was it 2017? Yeah, God, was it yeah, that long ago? It was. Um, <laughs> it, it was the same type of a team, if you remember, right? They had a stable of really good offensive backfield players, right? And, and I think back then they had they had gotten through some injuries with some some of their key players, and they just had. They had so many other kids that were next man up type kids that could just step in and play. But the other thing that was a hallmark of that championship team that they had out there on the seacoast was they had a really good defense. Yeah. Very they had a good. really good defense. I don't remember what like their you know, their how many points they gave up over the course of the season or what their average I, I remember talking about it back then with you. Right. But I don't remember what it was off the top of my head, but it was it was easily leading division one at that point, you know, and, um, this, this seems like a similarly built team to me. Yeah. I, I, I they, mean, were, they were, they were, they oh, were, um, definitely a dominant defensive team then. And they, they certainly are now the, the 20 points that, uh, that Goffstown had, I mean, they hadn't given up, they'd only given up double digits one other time. They gave up 13 to Bedford in the opener. Um, you know, yep. so, so, I mean, that was, uh, Obviously, you know, first game of the year. And I think some of those points might have come late after the game was maybe out of hand. Um, right. And, you know, but, I mean, they had only given up 39 total uh, before that game. So, I mean, yeah, I think you're, you're right that they're definitely very much um, like that team. Um, and, unfortunately, I'm not finding uh, what I thought I was going to find. Well, it's a perfect question to ask the listeners. If they were, if they remember, anybody remember whether Winnicott and Londonderry have played in in recent times? Well, we are, right? I mean, we are, I'm sure. It's I, some... Yeah, maybe we're getting it. We might be getting a little little ahead. Of, I'm sure there's, uh, you know, Pinkerton and Exeter and uh, and Bedford and. <laughs> That's Gert, true. We're getting a little all, excited. Yeah, you're getting a little too ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> that, isn't that what we do though? We make. Isn't that what sports media That's guys true. do? You yeah. make like yeah. bold and 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 off the cuff. Uh, predictions and things, right? I'm just trying to get in the spirit of it here, Joe. I don't know about bold, but you know, I definitely will say, <laughs> say maybe some things I shouldn't. Um, right. You know, it's uh, it definitely it's shaping up to be pretty interesting as we're coming down here, especially given 
Um, you know, we mentioned Bedford beating Exeter, uh, I think, earlier. And, um, you know, that was kind of one of those ones where just based on, you know, who's beaten who already and, and you know, um, Exeter had beaten up on Goffstown earlier this year. Goffstown beat Bedford. When it kind of beat uh, Bedford, when it kind of beat Exeter, you know, just you kind of you look at that trajectory or, or that, that like, you know, maze of, of uh of games there. So you kind of have a, a thing in your mind of saying, well, this team should beat that team. Um, yeah. But I definitely would throw, you know, Bedford's uh, 15 to 13 win over, uh, over Exeter there in the, in the category of a, of an upset. Um, you know, that was uh, a fun one. I, you know, I, I, I haven't had a chance to watch too much. I've seen kind of like highlights here and there. Um you know, but that looked like it was uh, at least following it on Twitter was was a pretty entertaining game to watch. Um, you know, despite the low score, uh, and and that really it kind of it kind of throws a wrinkle into um, into what's going to happen with the playoffs over there because now you got Exeter that's you know four and two because they lost the game, um, and and right now they wouldn't be in the playoffs as they're behind uh, Portsmouth Oyster River and Goffstown. Um, they play Portsmouth Oyster River Friday night, so that's again another another early playoff game. Yep. Uh, yep. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, I did also. Uh, or any other any other D one thoughts uh, before we move on? Uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention, I, I do I do believe, if I'm not mistaken, that the Central Little Green got their first win this they, weekend. Yes, they did uh, over Spalding. Yeah, I think that was a. 21 or 22 to nothing game so congratulations to them i'm sure that feels good i know they also had kind of a rough start to the season if i'm not mistaken right they they missed a couple games Bunch of games yeah uh you know with the covid shutdowns and things so i know it's hard to get on track when that happens early in the season so congratulations to uh coach ray and the boys over in manchester central um you know looking at, at, at d2 I, I did get to see uh um kind of a big d2 game Friday night between uh, Hanover and Sauhegan. Um, in and I you know I guess this was a theme for the weekend was was ball control offense uh, yeah. against quick strikes. Um, you know because because this game I mean Hanover took the opening kickoff and and had the ball for almost the entire first quarter. They had a nine minute drive um, that they ended up scoring on, and, and it was one of those. It's like I'm you know I'm watching I'm watching I'm not really thinking about you know, the fact that they're eating up so much clock and then you look over and it's like, holy crap, there's three minutes left in the first quarter. How is this? Have we really been doing this? I, I, you know, yeah. just kind of forget. Um, and, and that, and it wasn't just that, that, you know, they were able to, you know, hang on to the ball for so long. It was, you know, each team had two drives in the first half, unless you want to count Hanover's kneel down at the end of, end of the first half as a drive. I, I'm not for this purpose. Um, each had two drives. They both scored. It was 13-13 at halftime. So he gets the ball to open the second half. They score. Hanover gets the ball back. They score on another almost nine-minute drive, by the way. So it's 20-20, to 20, uh, early fourth quarter. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm Sauhegan comes out. And for most of the game, I you know I hadn't really noticed too much of this. Um, I think they were huddling up most of the game before you know lining up on offense. And for this yeah. dr this drive, they came out 
got in formation, and everybody looked to the sideline. And I'm wondering, okay, is this, I don't know why, I just kind of got this feeling like, all right, are they they going to try to maybe kill a little bit of clock themselves here, maybe try to, you know, draw this out so they're not giving Hanover enough time to score? Uh, and sure enough, first play, handoff to, to J.J. Bright. He goes around the left end for a 76-yard touchdown. 15 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I did – I asked Coach uh, Balquette after the game, you know, did you want to maybe take a little more time off the clock there? And uh, and he said theoretically yes. The look on his face, though, was like, uh, yeah, that was kind of the plan. Um, yeah, but but we'll take the touchdown. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll take we'll take the touchdown. But <laughs> right. we could have used it, you know, maybe used about eight minutes there. It would have been nice. Uh, right, right. You know, but and then then Sauhegan's defense stepped up. They were able to get a, a stop there, kill some more clock, um, get another stop, and and come away with what what is really going to be a huge win for them, especially given that um, their game this week against Manchester West isn't going to happen uh, because of West. Now is in a a COVID pause. Um, see, this was a huge one for them. Yeah, and it, and it's it was another game kind of on the 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 growth path for for Romy Jane as well. You know, I mean, um, I had texted you. You you had said something about he had thrown a touchdown pass at one point or something, and I I, I texted you and said, hey, not bad for a freshman, huh? You texted, <laughs> you texted something funny back, like I said, not too bad for a freshman, and you said not not too bad at all for a freshman or something yeah. <laughs> like that. It, the tone of what you said back was funny, but uh, yeah, I mean, he, he was, uh, what, 12 of 14 for almost 200 yards and three touchdowns, I think? Thir- I, I mean, 13 of 15, 194, and, and three touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's... It, uh, I mean, I mean, he, that's huge. He, I know he has a good core of receivers around him, but even some of the receivers are younger are guys, they're, right? They're, so... so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there because because uh, Coach Barquette wanted me to wanted me to let you know, uh, and everyone else I guess too. Uh, they have got 58 kids uh, in the program right now. Eight of them are seniors, so they're gonna have some nice numbers coming back next year. And yeah. uh, they've got over 40 kids in the in the seventh and eighth grade uh, program as well. So uh, yeah, that's great. I mean, they're I, not going yeah. anywhere as long as Robin's there. That 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 team's always gonna be competitive. I mean, you've got you've got Jane, who's a freshman. Uh, you know, JJ Bright, who, um, you know, he as a sophomore, he looks like he's uh, spent quite a bit of time in the gym already. Uh, you know, they've got um, Cole Manning, uh, one of their another one of their receivers. Uh, he's a sophomore. Um, Maddox McGrath, who had a touchdown catch, he's a junior. Um, you know, just a, a ton of guys on that. On that Charlie roster. Maroon. Yeah, oh, you're right. As a junior, yeah. junior as well. Um, yeah, so they. I mean, it, it's it's funny. I think I, I texted you at one point too, because um, there was a play where, you know, Jane had Manning um, wide open for a touchdown, and I don't. I think he got maybe a little too ahead of himself, threw a little too early, and the ball ended up kind of coming up short. Um, yeah. and it's one of those, it's like, oh, you, you watch it and you're thinking, oh man, how did you miss? And it's like, wait a minute, this dude's a freshman. Um, he's going right. to, he's going right. to miss exactly. some of those, but just, right. yeah, I came, I came away really impressed with, uh, with Sal Hegan and, and Hanover too. I mean, I, you know, I don't take anything away from them, but they are, you know, they, they're not too flashy, but they've got, it looks like they've got a lot of size, um, a little bit of skill, you know, um, their quarterback, Roger Lucas threw the ball a little bit. 
um, had two touchdown passes uh, in the first half. Um, and, and Seamus Murphy just is uh, a battering ram, um, you know, in the backfield for them. So, I, I you know, they've got Lebanon this week. Um, and, I, I, you know, I think that's going to be one heck of a game. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I've been saying all season we've, we've been talking about Lebanon and how they've just sort of been rolling. And uh, I did finally get to watch – it wasn't this week, but it was a it was an older game that they had played. I think it was the Milford game from a few weeks ago. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I I got to watch some of that on YouTube just to check it out. And you know it was interesting. They're they're obviously very good and they're deep and they have some they have some good skill position players. Lebanon, but you know, and, and again, that was it was a few weeks ago. Teams change, but they are beatable, right? When I looked at Milford's performance against them, Milford just wasn't tackling well in that game. I don't know whether Milford. I mean, I, I don't imagine Milford just is terrible at tackling every week or they wouldn't be in the, in the great <laughs> yeah. position they're in now. But they struggled to tackle that week. And, yeah. and it wasn't just because the Lebanon kids were just running around them, right? I mean, they were just – it was just a sloppy night for them tackling. And so, you know, I, I, I know they're good. But to your point, right, I, I, I think they're beatable. I, yeah. I, I think that one of these other teams if – if one of these other teams has a great night against them, uh, and Lebanon has a little bit of a down night. They're beatable. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I think they, I think they still have some work cut out for them again. Yeah. I think that might be one of the biggest, bigger, t- and and not just about Division Two. Um, you know, I, I still haven't seen Pelham uh, in person. I haven't seen Newport in person. Um, you know, and maybe outside of those two teams, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I feel like though that that it, it really could be anybody's game on any given night. Um, it, yeah. it, for you know maybe not in all cases. There's definitely some weaker programs that are going to have a, would have a tougher time against some of these that are having tougher time against uh, more established or or deeper programs. But you know in, in general, I think it's um, it, it's wide open in a lot of ways uh, across the state. Yeah, and there's there's been enough close games in there too where where I think that backs up exactly what you're saying. You yeah. know, I mean. The game we were just talking about, the Sauhegan game, was a touchdown game, and it was it was pretty back and forth at, at for most of the game, right? I mean, it was what was it tied? Yeah, yeah, it was seven uh, nothing Hanover, seven seven thirteen seven thirteen all, twenty thirteen Sauhegan, twenty twenty. Yeah, so it was. I mean, it was back and yeah, it was back and forth the whole way. Yeah, and then you go out uh, you go out to the coast for the other. Division yeah. two game that was kind of a big game this weekend for um, St. Thomas versus Plymouth, right? And very similar, right? I mean, it was a it was a tight game uh, against two very good teams, and uh, it, it, it was it was decided ultimately by a touchdown, right? And St. Thomas came away beating that game, but I mean, it was tied fourteen fourteen at the half. Yeah, and uh, and and it was a very evenly played game against two very similar style. You know, we've been talking about quick strike versus ball control. You know, this was definitely <laughs> a little bit more of a similar style versus similar style game, right? Um, St. Thomas is not a, uh, you know, sort of a quick strike type of team like they may have been three or four years ago. Right, right. Um, you know, they can run the ball. They have a good offensive line. They have a very good backfield duo that they use. Um and you know it, that was kind of that type of a game, but it, but same idea, right? There's two contenders. I mean, and it was a close game, 
and St. Thomas is now looking pretty good, as you mentioned uh, in, in your email note to me, right? I mean, yeah. they look legit, They and they've, they've really only lost since, I think it was week one they lost to Timberlake. Yeah, was another one right, of these yeah. contenders. Yeah. Um, yeah, they've um, they've put themselves in a great position with that win to 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 get a uh, you know a home game in the first round, um, and and you know Timberlane still plays uh, they you know they've got Kingswood this week, um, but they finish up the year against Milford with a home game at, against Milford, and um, you know St. Thomas plays at Hollis Brookline this week and then hosts Guilford Belmont, which um, you know if they win out depending on you know, how many wins each of those teams ends up with. I mean, it's possible, again, it's, you know, Division Two goes by rating. If they, I mean, if they both finish 7-1, and one, the you know, the first, uh, I guess, they go, you know, uh, let me try that again. If they're both 7-1, and one, it's what it comes down to the rating rather than, um, you know, records and, and head-to-head tiebreakers and all that. Of course, um you know, Timberlane gets the, the benefit of having that win over St. Thomas, um, giving them extra points. Um, but, you know, I mean, we'll yeah. see what happens, um, you know, as we get, get there. But um, just something to keep in mind. I mean, it's a, you know, but either way, I mean, they're in the driver's seat for, for one of those top four seeds. Yeah, and Timberlane's still very much for real and alive, too, right? I mean, they, uh, I, I think I read they had eight players that scored against Pembroke this past weekend and wow. rushed for over 340 yards. So, um, that's a pretty good, you know, day. again, I've seen them not live, but I've seen them on streaming and things like that. They're a good team. I've now seen St. Thomas and Plymouth streaming. And, you know, I mean, a lot of these teams, like you said, are very, very closely matched with each other. Um, you know, they might look a little different in terms of style and strengths and weaknesses, but, you know, again, same thing I just said about finally having seen that Milford, Lebanon game, right? I mean, that game really could have gone either way. Yeah. yeah. Um, if if uh, if Milford had done a better job tackling, I, I really think they had a chance to win that game. They were they were pretty they were pretty well in control up front for for a while in that game. Meaning, you know, the Milford offensive line was pretty dominant. So I, I think there again is another thing where an, another example of if you got a rematch, right? It could go either way. If you got yeah. a rematch of that that Plymouth. Uh, um, St. Thomas game that I mentioned having watched earlier, I think that game could go either way. You know, that's you play it 10 times, it might go five and five, you know? Right. Um, and that's a lot of fun. Well, um, you know, Milford was supposed to play Manchester West last Friday. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, it was announced actually, I believe on Friday that, uh, that West was going to have to go into a 10 day, uh, pause due oh, to, to COVID. Uh, which I was so disappointed yeah. to hear that that game was canceled, and even more disappointed to hear that West was going to lose two games yeah. now, especially after the momentum that they had built up. You know, yeah. So they they we've also, been highlighting that for the past couple of weeks as like a as like a good story, you know. And then abs- yeah, yeah. Maybe absolutely. maybe we should have just kept our mouths shut, <laughs> not jinxed it. Because uh, I, I felt I feel pretty bad for the Blue Knights program. That's got to hurt. Yeah. Well, I again with this, um, you know, decision to go by to drop this just those games from consideration or from from the standings. Um, you know, they're still in a good spot to make the postseason. Um, they they finish up the year uh, with a game at Bow, um, which um, you know Bow got a a big win last week over Hollis Brookline, but they, you know, they've struggled uh, when they've been able to play this year. 
Um, you know, so that's that's a game that West, you know, conceivably could win. You know, that puts them would put them at five and two. Um, you know, as of right now, they'd be a playoff team. So I mean, if they get another win, they gotta gotta think that that would be probably enough to get them in. Um, you know, so we'll, <coughs> finger, fingers crossed that that uh, that feel good story gets a chance to uh, to continue on. Um, yeah, I, I think so. I, I think though, if you're a West player, you've got to be bummed because you know you're, you, the two games you're missing are against Milford and Sauhegan. And you know, if you're going to make the postseason, I know if I'm a competitive player, I don't want anybody looking at me saying, "Oh yeah, well, but you didn't have to play those two guys." Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I want I want to have the chance to beat Milford, beat Sauhegan, or maybe split that those two. Right. Maybe you you. Um, you know, you can beat one and, and, and maybe play the other one well and not quite pull it off. But either way, right, like you, I, I think you, I think those kids probably wanted that opportunity, you know. And, and yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Hey, we'll take the playoffs, right, if we can get it. But there's always going to be that little thing in the back of their heads like, man, I wish we had – I wish we'd been able to play that that two-game stretch there against really good yeah. opponents to, to prove, right, that we belong there. Well, there's another team uh, in that situation, or a similar situation in D3 uh, with Monadnock. Um, they, of course, had their game with Winnesquam canceled. I think this was another one that, that popped up, um, I think maybe like an hour or so after we finished recording this show last week. I saw that this yep. this was happening, that Monadnock was going, in, going remote uh, for the remainder of the week last week, which meant all of their athletics were were canceled, um, including the football game against Winnesquam. Uh, I think they had been hoping to try to make that up uh, on Monday, uh, you know, the 18th, but didn't wasn't able to, to happen. Um, you know, and that's now two games that, that Monadnock has lost. Um, they had a game against Kearsarge uh, canceled earlier. Um, yeah. You know, they sit at 3-2. and two. They're, you know, in the, the fifth spot in a four-team playoff. Um, not, which is certainly not ideal, uh, you know, and it almost looks like they've got, you know, they got two games left, uh, including this Friday's game at Pelham. Um, no easy task, of course, to, to knock off the Pythons, but I think Monadnock's probably going to have to, uh, if they're going to be a playoff team. Yeah. Yeah, no, that'll be, that'll definitely be a tough one. I mean, it'll be interesting to see whether... You know, it's like we've said all season in, in some of these cases, right? Are you are you thrown off your rhythm and a little rusty, or are you well-rested? Yeah, yeah. You know, coming out of that uh, that layoff, so to speak, right? So, uh, you know, who knows, right? It's like I said at the beginning of the, of the show, right? This is, this is the time of year where, you know, the legs are a little bit more tired. Some of those nagging injuries start to catch up with you. Sometimes having those... I mean, don't get me wrong. Nobody wants to lose games, meaning not not lose games, but you know, you don't want to end up losing out on right, games. Right. Yeah, of course. But but sometimes, you know, if there's a silver lining in that dark cloud, it can be, hey, you know, maybe we just needed a, a week or so to get healthy and to and to sort of heal up some of those little nagging things, so we can go into that game fresh. But you know, then the flip side of that is, I'm sure there haven't been many games where Pelham's had to play their they're starting eleven on both sides of the ball for all four quarters. Either, uh, you know, sorry to to kind of change course here, but talking about playing Monday night um, reminded me that, that there was actually a game that happened tonight. Um, 
on the 18th, that, that Kenneth Sanborn game that had been scheduled previously for last Friday. Um, oh, that's right. Kenneth was still in their COVID pause, and it got rescheduled for today, and I just actually uh, seen a final score. Kenneth won 41-22. to 22. Um, So, yeah, that, that's Monday uh, night Monday football night, yeah, in the Monday, Grand State. Monday night football, yeah. I Had that game been at Sanborn, I might have, of course, they wouldn't have been able to play it at night, but um, would have been a much easier trip than trying to trying to go all the way up to Canada on a Monday. Yeah, uh, but then you would have had to blow me off, and that's completely well. No, it was a five. It was a five o'clock start, so I think I I think I could have made it back in time. Oh yeah, you might have pulled it off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we'll never know. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, Mananok's in a tough spot there in D three. Uh, you get another team in D four that's um, you know I. I it looks like they're going to resume their season this week, but they have also had uh, three weeks in a row been canceled, which is uh, Raymond. Um, yeah. You know, they've had some major issues with COVID at the, at the school there. Um, but at 2-1, and one, uh, they're technically a playoff team right now. Um, they've got Summersworth this Ugh. week, which will be a tough one, and then they finish up with Bishop Brady. So, I mean, it's, it's possible they could um, – you know, they could still get into the playoffs despite missing all those games. Yeah, that's when when you talk about there's no great way to do it. But, you know, maybe, you know, we again, it's going back to the beginning of the show, right? There's no great way to do it, but maybe that's the best way to do it in, in a not ideal situation. See, that's one of the places where I find it hard to swallow, right? Is yeah. that, you know, you've only you've you've missed a number of games. And, you know, you still might be a playoff team over another team that played eight or nine games. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and two of their that, games that they missed are against, you know, undefeated Newport and Epping Newmarket that just lost to Newport. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah the, contenders. Yeah. I mean, yeah. very, very strong programs this year. So it's that's where it falls apart, right, as you say, well, I mean, you know, how the heck does that work? And, and uh I think that's a legitimate concern, right? I, yeah. I would be, I would be a, a little upset about that. I mean, again, hey, at least we're out playing football, and the season didn't have to get canceled, right? So you got to keep that in perspective. But yeah, that's that's definitely one of those places that that, that it's a flawed approach. Yeah, uh, you know, the other I, other I guess news out of Division Four. We mentioned Newport uh, got a twenty four twelve win over Epping Newmarket this past weekend. Um, yep. you know, in a battle of un- unbeaten teams. So um, that, I, that I got to imagine is probably locked up the, uh, the number one seed for Newport, unless something crazy happens over the next two weeks. Uh, but I, I can't imagine that. Well, I shouldn't say that <laughs> this, this day. Yeah. Age, I probably shouldn't say that. Uh, Cause it feels like there's something crazy happens uh, pretty much every week. Um, but it looks like, yeah, that the Tigers, the defending champs have locked up that number one seed uh, yep. in division four. So, which again, as we talked about at the beginning of the year, you know, I I really liked Newport coming into the season, but they also graduated some really good kids yeah, off that championship yeah. team. So I wasn't quite sure what they were going to come back with, but uh, obviously they've reloaded really nicely. Yeah. Well, uh, I think I don't know. Any final thoughts, uh, or, or are we just about uh, ready to wrap it up for this week? No, I think we're good. I mean, yeah. are you uh, have you targeted your 
destinations for the weekend? I always like hearing where you're thinking of well, going. Well, I'm, I'm definitely uh, – my plan is to definitely hit up that uh, that Thursday night game at Pinkerton uh, against Nashua North. Um, actually, that one – that was originally on the schedule, you know, way back in, like, July. So I've kind of had that one on my radar uh, for, for a while. Um, I guess – and the reason it's a Thursday, and I guess Pinkerton is having a, a prom on Friday. Um, huh. not, not entirely – sure what that's all about but well i mean i know what prom is about but i don't know why they're they're having one in october give, uh, give coach o'reilly a call and ask him some questions about that yeah <laughs> top of the top of the list I, I probably of his concerns this uh this week i was gonna say I'm, I'm sure he'd love to spend some time with you yeah um you know and then i'm looking at um possibly uh, londonderry salem on friday um you know that that has I think a little some playoff implications there. I mean, it looks like that side of the Division One bracket might be wrapped up, but you never know. Yep. Um, but I think that yep. would be another good one. Um, yeah, and then actually Saturday, I'm you know mixing it up a little bit here. Uh, I'm probably going to do some field hockey playoffs on on Saturday. So yeah, that's right. Well, They're yeah. wrapping up. The, yeah, they start uh, season already, huh? Starting the postseason on Tuesday. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that. That's always I, I you know it, it's uh, I started covering that one a little bit more um, in the last couple of years and definitely a a fun sport to uh, you know to follow. I know a lot of people complain about not knowing the rules or or oh there's too many whistles. I have no idea what's going on, but you don't have to worry about because no one knows what's going on. <laughs> I was gonna say. I've been to a couple field <laughs> hockey games. I really don't know what's going on, but it is kind of fun to watch. I, I mean, the basics are you can only hit right-handed unless you flip your stick around. You can't score unless you're inside the big circle in front of the goal. And officials blow the whistle for pretty much whatever they want. All right. Well, that works. Yeah. So it's kind of like what they do in football, to be honest. With I you. mean, in a little bit, yeah. I mean, yeah, you can only score in the end zone, right? <laughs> no, I mean, they blow the whistle oh, whatever they well, want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's that's true. Well, all right. That uh, I think that'll wrap us wrap it up for this week. Uh, Mike, thanks again for joining me. Yeah, thank you, Joe. Yeah, he is Mike Lockman. I'm Joe Marcellino. We'll talk to you again next week.